You are listening to Love Your Practice with Dr. Laura Mock. I'm a general dentist, a practice owner, and a certified life coach. I teach women who own dental practices to lead with intention and literally fall in love with their businesses. Keep listening and you will see how learning to love your practice turns into loving your life too. Hello, I'm Dr. Laura Mock. Welcome to another episode of my podcast. How's everybody doing? Are you guys getting along okay? Um, it sounds to me like everyone's having a busy summer and we have I have a lot of clients who are really busy right now, but then I have a couple who, who are having sort of a lull in their demand. Um, just wondering how all of you guys are feeling. I myself, I am in a lull in my demand and I think it has to do with the fact that I dropped the big dental insurance contract um, earlier this year, but things are starting to like backfill or trickle in a little bit. So it's been nice. And um, I just got back from the happy dentist retreat, which is put on by Dr. Ankur Gupta. That was in Columbus this year. I think next year it might be in a city that's a little easier to get to. And it was wonderful. We learned so much from him and Dr. Anissa Holmes and Dr. Alan Stern, and I spoke. Um, and honestly, I think it was really well received. Um, if you're interested in something like that, it's a team and doctor experience. We did yoga, we hiked, there was a lake, we looked at the water. Um, we, we learned about how to be better teams and have a better practice. And we got CE out of it and a trip. So that'll happen again next year in case you're interested. Today, we're going to be talking, I interviewed another really fascinating dentist, Dr. David Maloli, who wrote The Relentless, no, he leads a thing called The Relentless Dentist, and he wrote a book called Dentist on a Mission. And it's basically, it's not very different from my message. It's just, he's a man and I'm a woman and I have my own way that I've learned it and he has his way. And he's just so smart and helpful. And I was like, we just definitely have to have a podcast with him on. And we talked about leadership using, um, it's not a personality profile, but it's leadership kind of action profile based on a thing called cognition, which is why you take action. And this is called the Colby test. So he is Colby certified and I have used Colby in my practice to understand my team members and why they do what they do and why I do what I do and how, why we respond to each other in certain ways. So I just, it's a really, really helpful episode. Do yourself a favor, listen to the whole thing and I will see you on the other side. Thanks, everybody. Okay, without any further ado, I would like to in, uh, welcome to our podcast, Dr. David Maloli. Dr. David Maloli, thank you so much for joining us today. Laura, it's a pleasure. The first time we connected on my show, uh, it was such a free-flowing conversation. I felt like we had a similar path and we spoke the same language, so I'm excited to deepen that conversation today. I know we just, we, we are preaching the same choir, basically, um, <laughs> same sermon, I mean, and um, just from different perspectives a little bit, but um, there's a lot in common there. And um, for anyone who's interested in listening, 
will include that episode where Dr. Maloli interviewed me. Um, that was, I don't know, less than a year ago, I think yeah. six months, maybe um, in the show notes. So you can look that up if you want to, but I asked you on to my show for a specific purpose. And that's because, well, okay. Globally speaking, you are a coach for dental practice owners. Like I am, mm-hmm. and you have background, you have been trained in different ways. So even though we're speaking the same sermon, it's like, I grew up Episcopalian and you grew up Catholic maybe or something, but basically we're preaching the same thing. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> and, um, and you are a Colby certified trainer. When I say Colby for the listeners, it's K-O-L-B-E. And I'm going to have you explain to us what that means. So um, interesting background. I came across Colby almost by accident. I was in a coaching group and they told us to take it. And I found the self-awareness that I was a quick start. And I, all of a sudden, I felt like this freedom and liberation and why I have thousands of books, most of which I haven't finished. I was hardwired that way. And it created this compassion amongst myself and my team. But it, the interesting piece of this innovation, I'm a sports fan, and any sports fans will appreciate that. We hear when it comes draft time, this idea of wonderlick, like you'll hear this kind of ruthless report about these people scored the highest on the wonderlick in the NFL draft. And these people shouldn't, shouldn't, shouldn't uh, even be given a driver's test because they're so low on the wonderlick and wonderlick is Kathy Colby's father. And growing up, there was this debate of does IQ matter as much as wonderlick thinks. And Kathy Mm -hmm. said, no, it doesn't. And he said, well, when you grow up, you can have your own assessment. And she came up with this and has been spending most of her life. She's, I think, near 80 now, understanding this part of the mind that most people don't talk about. Even brain researchers kind of dismiss this. But the interesting thing about Colby is it's how we're hardwired to do things given the freedom to be ourselves. So it's the doing aspect, not the thinking aspect, not the feeling aspect, but the doing aspect, and it's called cognition. So when you take this 15-minute assessment, you start to understand this is how I do things if given permission. And if somebody tells me to do it another way, I start to feel all sorts of strain and uncomfortable. And some of us have lived in that world of strain and uncomfortable for literally our entire careers. So I think it's a really important point to mention is that it's kind of foreign to most people, but once you appreciate it, it sets you free because it's, it's cradle to grave. Meaning if I take it in 30 years, I might fluctuate a little bit, but it's so valid that no matter what my circumstances are, it's not likely to be like, Oh, I've, my personality has changed dramatically over the years. This will not. Okay. So let me give you an example that I think illustrates what you mean by cone. Do you say conation or cognition? Cognition. Cognition. Okay. So basically that, what are the conditions we need to actually go from thinking about something to doing it, Mm. right? This is when I take action. So I have um, a pretty big office and I just recently last year brought in an associate and she and I are opposite ends of the spectrum (laughs) as far as Colby is concerned. So cognition, she has really high in what we call follow through and fact finder. Mm-hmm. So she's kind of like would make a really, really good secretary, but also she's a dentist. 
And then I'm high in what you mentioned, which is quick start, meaning I got a bunch of things going and it doesn't take me very long to jump to the next whatever thing I'm doing. (laughs) And so you can probably imagine that my desk is covered in piles Mm -hmm. of things and old coffee stains. And I know where the things are, but I kind of almost need it to be like that. Whereas hers is spotless. And she has a little board up with a saying and her pens are clean and put in that, you know, like everything is just very nice. And I noticed sometimes when I would come to work, my desk had been tidied (laughs) while she was working and I was not. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, like she is craving that order because it makes it easier for her to work. Whereas I'm kind of almost craving disorder. Is that a good example of how Colby helps you understand that those differences are like, I don't, I don't have to be mad at her for her, her desire to straighten up my desk. Mm-hmm. And maybe she can also give me the grace of knowing that this is just how I operate. Right. I think when it becomes a common nomenclature in an organization, it creates that sense of compassion of like, mm-hmm. there are this is my way, it is right, would be typical, <laughs> but high functioning, low conflict of what we want our, our workplaces to be would be, oh, she can't operate in any other way. And if I force her to do so, her brain will explode over time. And mm-hmm. that's called conative stress. And um, Bob Chapman, a, a leadership expert that I love, credits workplace stress as the epidemic that's creating all of these issues in society, the hospitalizations, the obesity, all of these sorts of things, because most of us are under prolonged stress because we're not given permission to operate in a manner in which suits us. But if, if we're compassionate, we can unleash that as a superpower. Mm-hmm. And I think that we can um, agree that most dental offices are quintessentially stressed. Totally dysfunctional. Yeah. We, show totally up, <laughs> we just try to make it through the day, yeah. appease Mrs. Jones, mm-hmm. um, thank the employees and run home. Reactive, reactive, and, reactive. Totally. Yeah. And before I really understood all this, I would sit in my car before I would go into work and I would just kind of do some deep breathing and just try to make myself go in and face the day. Mm-hmm. And if we understand how to lead easier, because that's one of the things that stresses us out the most, right, is how to lead these people we've hired. If we understand what they need and what we need, then all of a sudden we don't have to do all that deep breathing before we walk into the office. I, yeah, I think you, you put it very well. It's this respect that we all have superpowers and your superpowers are different than my superpowers that can lead to collision or that can lead to a beautiful collaboration. I, I, my follow through is quite low that follow through for, and some of us knew this is how we organize and design, but I can generate ideas all day long as a nine quick start. I'm a natural visionary. And I was always mad. Like, why can these people not see that if we do this at 10 AM, that at 3 PM, it looks like this. But that's my superpower. That's not their superpower. And so in the case of follow through, I had an office manager named Ryan and her follow through was like eight or nine. And we just created this metaphor of using a football analogy that I can only get it to the 20 yard line and you punch it in for the touchdown. 
And we could do that all day long because for me to ask her to innovate was ludicrous. And for her, for her to ask me to stop writing things on the whiteboard as the next thing that we're going to do and pivot, pivot, pivot all day long would be short circuiting my ability to function highly. And so we leveraged those assets to create something really powerful within the organization. But if you ignore that or don't know that or you're oblivious to it, then bad things happen. <laughs> Can you take a minute just to give us a little background and explain those four co-native types, cognition types, so that um, our listeners aren't lost? Right. So they're all that you get a score from from one to 10, but it's really important before I dive into that, that no score is bad. If we are right. high intellect and we think a three is bad. So I'm a bad at follow through would be wrong answer in this mm -hmm. frame. It's just so like fact finder, I'm, I tend to have a low score on fact finder, but that means I'm to the point. So mm -hmm. that can be a power, superpower, but it's not a superpower if I'm communicating with the high fact finder that needs lots of details. And they're like, <laughs> why does he do this drive-by delegation? So there's four <laughs> modus operandi, there's four modes within cognition. One is fact finder, that's how we gather and share information. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing about fact finders is they tend to live in the past because facts come from the past into the present. Then you have follow through, that's how we organize and design. You were talking about that, that mode earlier with your associate. Mm -hmm. I am like you, um, have lots of clutter in my life. My wife likes to organize or hide things from me and that creates some conflict, right? Because she thinks it's ludicrous, but literally when I was training with Kathy Colby, she, she looked at me and she goes, oh, what an interesting, uh, what an interesting MO. She goes, David, I would encourage you to always wait to the last minute. And I've guilted myself forever to why didn't I finish this PowerPoint three days ago? Why am I literally still revising it? I can't do that any other way when it comes to follow through. So follow through is how we organize and design. Quick start is how we deal with risk and uncertainty. Um, most people in a dental office, I have a one quick start client um, that is very low risk. We need to be very strategic, very methodical. And when we take a leap, it needs to, the outcome needs to be virtually guaranteed. That yes. I respect very much because he can't operate in any other way because his ability to deal with risk and uncertainty is to stabilize, is to really make things very repetitious, very predictable. And there's a power in that too. Mm -hmm. And then the last is implementer. Most of most dentists, uh, thinking back to dental school, the people that like, I'm just starting my wax up and they're already out the door. Those were high implementers. Uh -huh. Those are people that do function really well in the tangible world. The way that they deal with time is in the present because mm -hmm. they're working on an implant case. These, the dentists who can sit at the chair all day long and want one big case, those are high implementers. I'm not that person. Mm -hmm. I like to bounce from chair to chair and neither right nor wrong, but the organization is a reflection of the leader. And you can almost tell the, the owners Colby by how the organization operates and mm -hmm. where the frustration lies within the organization, because we are a team. And sometimes we try and put square pegs in round holes and Eventually that will manifest in some sort of dysfunction within the organization, usually gossip and sterilization. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because now we're on to Brene Brown. Because if you if you have a problem with somebody and you're listening to Brene Brown, what you'll learn is that usually what we do instead of talking to that person, you talk to somebody else about mm. that. <laughs> but yeah, back to Colby. <laughs> so <laughs> my husband is a high implementor. Okay. And so he knows how to do all these things. We own properties. And I just help put the cash down when it's time to buy a new apartment complex or whatever. And he goes in and he makes a detailed list of every tool and supply that he's going to need. And then he fixes it all. Mm. He's Mr. Handyman himself. So um, it makes for an interesting, powerful, but sometimes frustrating team. <laughs> I grew up in a family of implementers and I always wondered like why I when, they, when it was time for me to change the oil, why I was always like screwing things up. Like I had no idea. Mm -hmm. And it was this big frustration point because you know, on the farm, like you never called a mechanic for anything. You just figured it out. You just welded it, you cut it, you replaced it. And I was never any good at that. And I was always, mm -hmm. I was always fascinated by how they can take this water heater that they knew nothing about and put it, disassemble and put it back together. That, like you said, is a high implementer. Yeah. Yeah. He's really good at that. So we're talking about different person, not personalized, but cognition types. And I want to pull it into the dental office. And I want you to give me some archetypes, you know, front desk, assistant, hygienist. What are we seeing in Colby, um, Colby types for those types of positions? Um, most of them tend to be high fact finder, almost across the board, I find. Um, mm -hmm you almost need a high follow through when it comes to a hygienist because of them. I, I call it mundane. I don't mean that as demeaning, but for a quick start, it's very mundane <laughs> to do the same thing over and over for 20 years would drive me insane, but we need those types in our team. So high follow through how we organize and design. I always try to supplement my low follow through with high follow through and um, I also find most of the team members, particularly the ones I've hired to be really high, fi high fact finder, meaning they need lots of data information training in order to move forward, make change. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Well, all three of my hygienists are high in fact finder mm -hmm. and, um, I I'm right now implementing or trying to implement a new way of doing, um, biofilm removal. Okay. And um, since I'm high in quick start, so for the listeners, it's very fast for me to make a decision. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this sounds good. Let's go this way. Whereas somebody who's low in quick start, um, they are usually higher in fact finder and they're going to need the evidence before they are ready to make a change. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is I'll introduce something and I'll be like, this is what we're going to do. Doesn't that sound great? And then <laughs> the hygienists are just, they get left feeling underinformed, mm -hmm. and I get left feeling like, "Why aren't you following my lead?" Is that can I can I tell you a story about how this um, how my fascination with with Colby came to be? I told you that I took a Colby almost by accident. I wasn't seeking it out. I had a hygienist who I met at a meeting in Atlanta. Her doctor said she's moving to your town, and I was like oh, I think I might've gotten a resume, but I already have two hygienists. And she said, offline, she said, she's better than your best hygienist. I'm like, okay, well, you got my attention. So I entered this conversation. 
with this hygienist decided that I would find a place for her mm-hmm. and it ended up proving to be a wise decision. And she helped me build this business, literally like referring, helped me orchestrate and systemize the team. But when I started to delegate, she would just pepper me in questions. And my story was that she's trying to sabotage the delegation because she doesn't want more work on her plate. Mm-hmm. And I was coming from the golden rule, meaning I was giving her all, all the information that I would ever need. Mm-hmm. And yet the ball would get dropped, the baton would get dropped again and again and again until I found out that she also had a Colby in passing. I asked to see it and her high fact finder and my low fact finder were in conflict every single day. And it was harming our relationship as owner employee. And so once I realized that I can't be stuck in my language, she's literally short circuiting with the information I'm giving her and being supremely patient in my opinion, making sure that I answered all the questions, then we thrived again. But um, from there, I I knew that I needed that as a dashboard in my practice, like I needed to know the number of new patients, the amount of overhead, the amount of production and collections, because I think it allows us to have this humanistic frame that we desire as dentists, but we don't understand that it's a possibility. So we throw another checklist at it, which shoves them further and further away from typically um, their, their MO, their strengths. Right. So you've said to me that hygienists, assistants, and front desk people, the people who come to us, they're typically high in fact finder. Right. And they need more information than we're picturing they need. Right. Well, most dentists have a a fairly high fact finder. And so I think there's a relation there, but Mm -hmm for people like you and I, who tend to have more of an entrepreneurial slant, it's like Mm -hmm. a foreign language to us. Yeah. I I buy my cars sight unseen. They deliver them and anyone in my office thinks I'm crazy. I'm like, why do I need to test drive it? I know what it looks like. I only buy Jeep Wranglers. They gave me a fair trade in, just drive it to my office and you can drive home my old one. That it takes (laughs) me moments to figure that out, but I can't operate in any other way. But to, to a high fact finder, it's that's pure insanity. <laughs> so give me some examples of how you introduce change or correction to someone who's high in fact finder, since that's typically who we're talking about. Are all the ladies who are listening to this podcast, they got little um, clubs of fact finders working for them. So what do we do that we didn't realize we needed to do? I spend a ton of time in meetings, meaning giving proper allowance to that need to be understood and make sure that when I'm delegating, at first I thought it was supremely inefficient, but in hindsight, now I realize how many fires it prevented versus the, my normal frame, which would be fire, fire, putting out fires all day long, the Mm -hmm. reactive um, situation Mm -hmm. that you were talking about. And it builds loyalty, it builds autonomy, it unleashes this motivation because you're literally just sitting with the idea of, I refuse to talk more than 20% of the time. I'm here to listen, I'm here to answer questions, I'm here to ask questions. What more information do you need to move forward? What, mm-hmm. what is getting in your way? What is working? What is not working? Becoming a coach as opposed to this, this 
I mean, relentless leader is really what I was like, let's go, let's go. It's not good enough. It's not fast enough. Let's step on the gas. All of my environments had looked like that. But when I stopped and paused and realized that the people that work for me deserve more kindness and compassion and that it really drives to the bottom line. I'm not a money motivated guy, but that activity of reducing turnover, giving them the permission and the information they need to make more and better decisions serves the patient, gets work and worry off your plate, which is a profitable exercise and ultimately drives to the bottom line, like I said. So there's no one that gets left out in this process. You're no longer the bottleneck, you're removing yourself because you're giving them permission to be themselves and fly. And that's the cool part about this is it's this realization that they're far better at this thing than you are. And mm-hmm. therefore they should own that zone almost completely. You need to check in, you need to trust, but verify certainly as a leader, but a lot of times we're throttling back their motivation. We're throttling back their productivity because we're managing the process as opposed to the result. Okay, um, I'm going to ask you a follow-up question that I think every person listening to this podcast is gonna say in their mind. But David, I don't have time to have meetings. We mm. are so busy and then I have to hurry home to my family. So what do you say to that? I think the most, the biggest cost in a practice is team turnover, team discord, unhappy players don't play well. I mean, they just don't perform. Mm -hmm. And by not there's, there's this phrase that kind of haunts me, um, because I took me like four or five times to realize it is there's no such thing as suppressed emotion. So you can put them in the deal with it idea for long enough, but it's going to explode as a surprise resignation, team mutiny division, like those two used to get along. Why do they not get along anymore? because of suppressed emotion. So if you don't facilitate that conversation and you don't, I consider meetings to be leadership training. I'm not gonna tell a 19 year old assistant that I'm making them a leader, but for them to have more autonomy is really them being leaders. I'm giving them a budget for ordering. And if I don't spend all of that time, I get it. I was the same person of like, can I just do another crown prep? That's far more profitable than this, but (laughs) (laughs) meetings done right that are brief and high voltage, I would argue are the highest ROI activity because it prevents so many bottlenecks. It Mm -hmm. is unleashing this human potential that we're talking about where we start to understand their frustrations and use that as the raw material for the next opportunity. It helps me innovate when Mm -hmm. I know exactly what's going on with the Cavitron, all of these things that I could care less about in the first three years of my practice. It allows me to empower them to make that decision. Why do I need to call the rep for the for the cone beam? Can somebody that doesn't require a dental license? And you get them stepping forward through coaching and and saying, I believe in you, and that's a great idea and praise. If you don't make time for that, you better make time for interviews, hiring, um, firing, all of these sorts of things. So yeah, yeah. So I I I get it. I've been there. I would have argued the same thing at a certain point in my career, but I was forced to create a talent magnet in a resort town. And I'm glad I was because I would have continued on that same spiral to the point where there's no hygienist left. Who, who am I going to even have to run 
my giant hygiene, uh, you know, roles. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's my answer is that you, you are in proactive prevention mode with these meetings. If you want to be reactive, then things get really ugly. That leads to the loss of stomach lining, sleepless nights. So, right. <laughs> yeah. So, and I would add, if someone's telling me they don't have time to have meetings, what they're thinking, you know, more globally is that they don't have time to lead. And I would like to say that you don't have time not to lead because if you don't lead, then the practice just goes this way and that way and stops serving you as an asset, starts mm -hmm. serving itself. And it becomes that dysfunctional place because we're not leading. And having meetings is a part of leading because otherwise, when do we get a chance to talk about the Cavitron or how we're submitting insurance claims or the language that we're using with our new patients and things, all the things, every single little task that the dental team does for us creates our dental practice. And so if we want them to do it the way we see, and also, and we want to get their input too, we have to talk about it. And we can't just talk about it at a huddle or at non-huddles. We have to sit down, have a meal, and really talk about how people are doing. Yeah, I, I appreciate totally what you're saying there. I, I've, I've found it took me some searching and some safe containers that I don't have time is really a facade for, I don't know how, and I don't want to stand in front of a room and suck at it. Mm -hmm. And that's okay too. Um, yeah. It doesn't have to be this 20 minute PowerPoint present presentation. I would argue that that's not the great meeting. It's a facilitated mm -hmm. meeting. Like I said, where you're literally using compelling questions to make sure that everyone's ideas matter, everyone's voice matters, that you're empowering them to implement. So mm -hmm. if you think that it's just you broadcasting for 25 minutes, then I think we need to break that frame and just say literally it's, a, it's more of a listening exercise mm -hmm. and making sure that we've taken these frustrations, built out a plan to reduce that friction and frustration. And that leads to all the innovation that you would ever want in a dental practice. They're literally telling you how you become more unique and valuable to the marketplace on a sure. regular basis if you're good at that. So what I've found with my fact finder employees is that if I sit down and I say, this is what I see as where we're going. And then I say, what concerns do you have about mm. that? <laughs> then I actually, this is where they shine. Mm. They can tell me um, what's a potential problem. And then if they're behind me in my leadership, they can say possible solutions as well. I love that you say that because they're literally pointing out the dangers that we don't, we're oblivious to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like there's risk. I don't, I'm sorry. Oh. I don't. <laughs> yeah. And that's, yeah. so that's the part where we look at our high fact finders as like, these are assets in our practice. Mm. It is nice. Um, I'm always trying to get a balance of different types of code cognition types mm -hmm. in the practice, but, um, what we tend to attract is high factors. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I think, yeah, I, I, I think it's, we have to appreciate the, the predictability that they bring to our organizations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes we slow them up to a degree if we're not quick starts. Mm -hmm. 
but if if we really get to the point where we're appreciating that everyone has superpowers i think that's the thing that i admire most about kathy is that my strength and my weakness as an employer has always been i see potential in everyone and sometimes they don't see it or they don't want it but if you start to allow them the awareness and the confidence to say like you're super awesome at this and you're way better than I am. Can you take hold of this? And you connect it to the science of it's on this 16 page report and you show them, it says, do more of this. It says, don't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. Now you're really giving them an opportunity. My goal, because I knew that I was in a resort town, it was high turnover, even if I take care of people really well, because the cost of living gets to people and then they move back to Denver or St. Louis or wherever the grandparents are. My goal had to be that I was going to make sure that they were better humans than when they started working for me. Mm -hmm. And I think through this system, it allowed that to happen in a very predictable manner. But I couldn't have done that with my own instincts. I needed some tangible report to say, not only I do I believe in you, but I see here that you're kind of an unstoppable force if we just put this on your plate. And I would just like to point out just from like my coaching um, background, that when you tell an employee you see their strengths and that you want to develop that, that creates an opportunity for them to feel what I believe dental employees want to feel, which is helpful and appreciated. Mm. And if we can generate help, that helpful feeling and the appreciation, everything else falls into line because then they're going to do that feeling will drive them to do what you want them to do to make your practice amazing. I, I was on a call with a leader who has hundreds and hundreds of employees and people, the question that was posed to him was, how do you make sure that they are rising in their capabilities and their confidence? Mm -hmm. And he said exactly what you said. Oh. I know if I know if I can recognize where their superpowers lie and then pour into that and praise and connect that to the vision and outcome that we have. Mm -hmm. I have a team member who will dedicate themselves to the process because even if they're 40 years old, 50 years old, I know that that act of kindness was one of three, one, two, one, two or three people in their entire life history that has done that thing, recognized mm -hmm. that thing that they kind of inherently know, like I'm kind of good at this, yeah. but it gets suppressed because of the things that we're talking about. They haven't gotten the permission to be themselves, but you recognize those assets and then you pour praise on it and connect it to the mission of the company or the dental practice in this case. Mm -hmm. No one is willing to do that. And it sounds so simple, but it's lies dormant amongst almost all organizations. Hence why you go into almost any business now and get poor customer service because that we're not literally leveraging and harnessing the talents and capabilities of the people that we have. And they're mm -hmm. operating at like maybe 10 or 15% mm -hmm. until they think they can find another dollar or a slightly more empathetic employer. Right. But if they're like literally excited to be there because they love helping people, which is always why people go to hygiene and assisting school because they love to help people. Mm -hmm. So if we can engender that, by leading well, and Colby is a part of that, in my opinion, mm -hmm. then we have happier employees, aka a better business and happier patients and happier us. I, I, 
I believe in this so much that if literally that's all we did, we would be more profitable. Like you don't barely have to measure anything else because the productivity explosion and the reduction of work and worry and friction and bottlenecks and three hygienists looking at the shine catalog, trying to decide what profi paste to choose, like goes away because this is giving them, this is giving them the power to make decisions. And that's at the root cause of any sort of thing that you're doing in a business. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a challenge. You know, if you're a successful dentist, you're spending most of your time being the technician, mm -hmm. the head technician of the office. But like we said, taking the time to do this, it will pay you in dividends way more than the next crown prep. Yeah. The, the, the one thing that I think will help set dentists free if they're averse to this meeting and really connecting and understanding patients, because we are time starved. Like that's the reality of it. We have too many roles, too many goals. Everyone wants a bite of us, right? You have maybe mm -hmm. team members, you have PPOs that are happy to suppress your fees. You have mm -hmm. um, vendors who are sometimes predatory and see the margins and want to take a slice of that. And they know that you're tired and distracted. So you're easy prey. We, yes, we are. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. But the one thing that in, in the brain science that's very clear is that when we're switching tasks all day long and just switching from patient to patient is one thing. But literally, if you're going from dentist to CMO to CFO to HR all day long, it's the most inefficient, exhausting process. Mm -hmm. So think of these meetings as a file folder in which the hygiene department issues get to dress. And then we have this file folder where we look at the numbers and we take off our dentist hat and we put on the CFO hat. That mm -hmm. undistracted time is so productive and so valuable. And if you do it any other way, it'll create all of that anxiety and conflict because literally by two o'clock, you don't know who you are because you've been switching hats all day long to appreciate that these are diff very different strengths and that to do it as a distraction, you might be able to do dentistry in your sleep at this mm -hmm. point in time, but these other things, particularly connecting with team members, deserves all of your attention because if you don't make time now you'll make time to beg them back or like we said hire the next employee hire so next when when i when i help a dentist see that this is a file folder just to make sure all of these things get addressed and that your brain operates at a much higher effective efficiency when doing so then nobody wants to operate at 20 percent. they want to be High performing intelligent and to know that you're throttling down by doing all of these things at once and you're really disabling yourself in your business i think is enough permission to go ahead and say tuesday afternoons i wear this hat and then this hat not all simultaneously yes and that's a very i like what you just said because um if we're going to do this type of leadership we literally have to just put it on the schedule Mm. And if you, if you're listening to this right now and you know, you're like, Hey, I, I, I basically work for Delta Dental. I'm booked out for the next five months. No problem. Put it on the schedule now and you'll have your first meeting five months from now that, uh, that time will arrive. But if you put off putting it on the schedule, then <laughs> yeah. it never gets there. Yeah. 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 So let's pretend we've got listeners. I'm sure we do who are like, yes. Okay. You have been convinced me. I know I need to do this Colby thing. So where do I start? What do they do? You can go to colby.com and get these assessments. I think they're around $55. Mm -hmm. I will tell you the reporting that comes 
there's a voice activated thing. Like if literally you and your team members literally just read it, you will have a level of self-awareness that is kind of, it will be unprecedented in most organizations in your community, particularly dental practices. Yeah. Um, and go ahead. they have different tests. I found the website to be a little bit confusing. Somebody mm. had to tell me, take the Colby A. Yeah. The B yeah, and C Colby. are more, they're different, not for the newbie. Right. right. I would just start with Colby A because that will point out where the superpowers are, where their strengths are, and where the potential conflicts are. Yes. Those conflicts don't have to stay there because to me, you can jujitsu that thing is flip the script and those become collaboration efforts. Mm -hmm. um, but I would start with the A and just getting super aware, one, with who you are, and then roll that out and then have a team meeting to dialogue about mm -hmm. kind of the epiphanies and paradigm shifts that happened at an individual level. But I will say, if you can get to the point where it's common nomenclature, it almost becomes this laughing thing. Like, don't give it to Doc, he's a two follow through. Give it to Ryan, <laughs> she's an eight follow through. Exactly. Where it becomes this community thing. It reminds me, I lived in Italy for two years as an army dentist and our landlord, um, Christian and Louisa lived right next door to us. So we'd go over to dinner all the time. And my Italian was mediocre and his English was mediocre, but yet we'd host dinners and I would be the interpreter. And Christian and I had this like middle language and it was kind of like charades. It was kind of English. It was kind of Italian and it was enough to get to have a, like a really enjoyable meal. And once you start to speak other people's language and find the middle ground, it unlocks all of these opportunities that are literally hidden in plain sight. I can't tell you what they are, but I can tell you that they're always there and you can double down on these again and again and again, because these are your team members' instincts. They're built inside of them. They've just been suppressed for so long that once you start to unleash them, you're like, oh, I didn't know, I had no idea. And they're like, I had no idea either. And there's light bulbs where they realize that they're not wrong. Right. They're just, this is who they are and they're perfect the way they are and it makes right. them strong. Yeah, something. that's the thing that I love about the report. It says, congratulations, You're you perfect. got a perfect score. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and this is and just another aside, but honestly, the team members kind of like taking those tests. Like it's fun to sit and take them and then sit down together and just talk about what it means. The yeah. self-awareness is fun and, and the teamwork realizations are fun too. Totally. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Any last words as far as advice about cognition and leadership and um, um, leading dental employees? I hear so much about the inability to even find people. I know now is this season of the economy where people will sign up for an interview and then not show up, all of these sorts of things. So mm -hmm. to me, it's clear moving forward that employee engagement is the game to be won. You can, it's, and it's not about more pay necessarily. You have to be competitive. It's not more about more benefits necessarily. It's literally about unlocking the potential of the people on your payroll, because once you give them that, they start to realize that that's not available anywhere else. Mm -hmm. The, frameworks and the opportunities to rise in my autonomy, mastery and purpose is so rare that they won't leave that for another dollar. They'll, if they have to move, they'll 
they'll regret it. <laughs> and they'll send you an email like I didn't appreciate what I had right there. So if you want to take care of patients, if you want a profitable business, if you want time freedom, to me, the work that we're talking about here today, Laura, and then I know, like you said, the sermon that you preach again and again is employee engagement, helping mm -hmm. them find that 5% more 10% more because who's to lose in that situation, it, it pays, because patients are better taken care of a patient knows if they're amongst a confident employee or somebody Correct. who's throttled back. It's mm -hmm. good for you because you have less in work and worry because some of these things you used to do now are completely taken care of better by somebody else mm -hmm. that drives to productivity in the bottom line. So um, I will preach this sermon of employee engagement <laughs> for as long as I can. But I think as an industry, we have a long, long way to go. So I'm glad that uh, the industry has people like you, Laura, that have found found the dysfunction then found the function and like i can't believe i ever operated in a different way yes yeah and being able to share it like you and i both do is brings so much satisfaction to my life and Same. to anyone listening things can get better let's work together and make yeah. it happen. well said okay well thanks for taking the time to let me interview you pick your brain about colby and everything so fun. And um, I'm sure we'll be running into each other again very soon at some dental function. I'd like that. Okay. Thank you very much. Laura, have a great day. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to Love Your Practice with Dr. Laura Mock. I would love to meet you. To join our movement, find the Facebook group called Love Your Practice and request to join. If you can't find it, just send me a message and I'll add you. You'll find me there helping all of my ladies to fall in love with their businesses and have a better life.